We all know that the only way to kill a werewolf is with some silver, whether it's a bullet or a knife or a stake with a silver handle, I think, if you go by the original lore. And just like that, there is only one app to listen to your podcast if you're an Android user, and that's the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. It's kind of like the silver bullet of podcast apps. There are many out there that will do many jobs, but only one that will effectively be your ultimate podcast listening device on Android, and that's the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers, and with me, as always, is a man who, under different circumstances, would be the uncle you'd go to for help in a werewolf situation, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano, but not in the like child endangerment, coked out energy that Gary Busey brought to this film. Yeah, Busey, man, so the, the credits roll on this thing, and you see Dino De Laurentiis, and then you Giada's see Gary Busey. Yes, Giada's grandfather. Uh, sorry, that's Giada De Laurentiis. <laughs> that's how she pronounces all her Italian words. Mozzarella de buffalo. I don't think she does it that slow, though. She does. It's like she's she's been hitting the head with a hammer recently. <laughs> I remember it being like real heavy on its own. Parmigiano Reggiano. But I don't remember it being like a slow mo thing. It's obnoxious, is all that. Well, yeah, but I yeah. Anyway, we'll get into all that and more because we watched Silver Bullet, so you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your boring ass werewolf design. Something's gonna be about your boring ass werewolf design. Oh. It's time Do not make any sudden moves. Get away from me! Dad, where the hell is the heart I I disagree. I kind of like that it's nondescript werewolf. I think that's kind of an interesting twist on it. I like that it kind of looks like a bear. See, I don't know. To me, it falls in line with the boring, like, proof that Stephen King doesn't always know how to write a movie. Because apparently he was adamant. He's like, no, it should have no defining features. I want the Ron Howard of werewolf designs. And Dino was very upset. Dino about was like, this. "No," and they were like, "That he and the Stephen King and the director were like, no, 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 this is this is right." And Dino was like, "Okay, but like this looks dumb." And they were like, "Nope, <laughs> nope, this is right." So I kind of like the idea that people would not know it was a werewolf. Like that's the part of it that is interesting to me. Is like you assume but this guy's called living- Silver Bullet. No, 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 no. I'm saying in the, like, in the kayfabe, right? Like, this guy survived for centuries, and it's because when he turns into a wolf and he's, like, stalking the woods, people might get a glimpse, but they're like, oh, it was a bear. And they, like, try to get out of the bear, and they shoot it, and then he, like, it helps them. It's like, in a normal werewolf movie, you're like, oh, that's a werewolf. I gotta go get a silver bullet. But you see this thing, and you're like, oh, that's a bear. I'm just gonna shoot it, and then it kills you. Fair, but I don't think the movie really explored that logic. <laughs> no, but that was my head. I think Stephen King uh, was was a little too nose busy to write any dialogue <laughs> about that. So, Allegedly. 
Oh, yeah. Let's put a big allegedly Actually, you know what? No, I don't even have to say allegedly with Stephen King because (laughs) he... We, I'm just saying you don't know specifically that that was around Silver Bullet. True. If you're talking about if you're talking about Langoliers and it's like or on the table overdrive. Facts. Yeah, exactly. Those, those are facts. Um, I so this movie originally was was directed by Don Coscarelli, who directed Phantasm and also Bubba Hotep, which is more uh, recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phantasm movie we may get to one day. Phantasm two, I think, is my favorite of the Phantasms. Okay, uh, and how many are there? That's the '80s one. Three, four, five. Wow. Uh, what's cool about Phantasm, and I, we've talked about it before, is it's super low budget, except for the second one, because like the first one was good. The studio got involved in part two, made them recast one character, and then after that, no studio was interested anymore, and so they went back to their own like friends making a movie together, which has that energy. Uh, and so like the same guy has been in it for four decades, Angus Scrim's in them. Anyway, um, we'll talk about Phantasm another time, but... I think Don Coscarelli is a pretty good director, a pretty good horror director. He moves the camera interestingly. He sets up the camera in cool places for, you know, like when he's blocking things. But so this movie, they 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 get together, they got the script, they're ready to start making it. Don Coscarelli's on board, and then as you mentioned, Dino De Laurentiis is like, oh, I don't like the vampire, the werewolf. And sorry, yes, the werewolf. I don't like the werewolf. Um, and they go back and forth on this design. And so Don Coscarelli is like, well, there's a whole lot of movie to shoot. That's not the werewolf parts. I'll just shoot everything else. And so he goes and shoots, you know, the 85% of this movie that doesn't have a werewolf in it, give or take. Yeah. 90%. And eventually he finishes all that. And they're like, uh, still not sure what we're doing about this werewolf. And he's like, okay, well I quit then. because Like I, I'm not going to do this movie if this is. And so they bring in another guy, uh, whose uh, name I will get momentarily. I, I think it's Matt Avicii. I think you have the first name wrong, but I believe you have the last name correct. Um, so Coscarelli filmed all of the non-werewolf stuff, and then this other director came in, basically like a second unit guy, but yeah. filmed primary stuff, which is interesting. Dan Atias is, you were close. Ballpark. Anyway. The other thing that I think is wild about this movie is the Gary Busey performance. And it's especially interesting because I don't know if you caught this in the research, but it's almost entirely ad-libbed. Yeah. Well, so apparently he would do the real dialogue in one take and then just kind of like for the following takes sort of riff. Yeah. So they had a clean one of the, of what Stephen King wrote. Um, but like, apparently there's several reviews that were like, Gary Busey's the only redeeming quality in this movie. And I was like, is he? Oh, wow. This is going to be a differing opinions episode. I think Busey is like the glue that holds this thing into watchability. I just, I, I think I just I don't care for Gary Busey. He feels like the mold, like the mold that Nick Cage was popped out of. Yes, except in Gary Busey's case, the the turn from respected actor to wild man came after a serious brain injury in a motorcycle accident. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. So he has like the the unhinged Busey energy you know and love is, and that that was not me trying to clown on you. That was just like a statement of facts. Like he had a serious brain injury, and he is a lot wilder in his acting now. When we, was that in the nineties, or was that that was uh, post this movie, right? I think Busey's injury was in the eighties. Uh, checking that right now, eighty eight. So it was after this movie. Okay. Uh, um, so he, he was always a little 
crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Busey always had a wild energy. It's too. funny because to look at Gary Busey, he looks like the version like you started to make at Bagley Jr. and then walked uh. away from it for too long. And then you came back and you were like, oh, no. I left that souffle to cook way too long. It's all collapsed. I left, I left it proofing too long. Like, you know. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Um, I was going to save this for later, but I think we'll just do it right now. New segment on the show. Uh, it's a, it's America's favorite game show. It's Sweeping the Nation. Deucey Busey. Do you get rid of him uh, and replace him? Or do you keep- <laughs> no, no, no. This is called How, How Much Does, does It, it Cost, cost On Cameo! <laughs> the game show where you try to figure out how much your favorite celebrities cost to debate. This is one of my favorite games to play by myself. On the internet. So, Andrew, you are on the hot seat. America's sweetheart, Gary Busey, is on the service Cameo, which, if you don't know, is the website where you can pay celebrities a certain amount of dollars and they will say things for you. Most of them will not do ad reads. I will say you almost that? all did of you them. Google that? Or did you, did no, you like look into I've, that? As you as you waste time on this website cameo, you will learn that most of them are like, I don't do ads, sorry, and will reject you. However, Gary Busey is available for a Nominal certain fee. number of dollars. Um Okay. So I know Elvira is three hundred dollars because okay. she announced recent like in the past month that she was on ca- finally on cameo. And I was like, Oh, I wonder how much. Three hundred dollars. Jesus Christ. So I would like to, just to help you uh, get there, I'm going to give you a little bit of information to, to get there. Is he a charity uh, cameo or is he uh, this is for me cameo? No, <laughs> this is for Gary. <laughs> this is for and by Gary. But I would like to read you the description of what you're purchasing. Just maybe it'll help you fill it in. So okay. Gar- Gary Busey, actor dash lethal weapon. Gary Busey okay. colon pet judge is now streaming on Amazon Prime exclamation point. You can send a script, but Gary will most likely riff your cameo. Business slash branding requests are at a higher price point. Please DM for those rates. So in case you were wondering if Gary had a strict policy. Can, it is- can you tell me <laughs> what year Gary Busey pet judge was released? Like now. Okay. Well, I just wanted to, I wanted to know if it was like came out in 2018 situation. Um, I I will say I'm looking at the cameos. Several of them he's holding a guitar in. Uh, one of these is called Pep Talk. Sure, uh, sure. Another one is called Gift, and he's 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 strumming along with these. It seems. Okay, so if Elvira's three hundred, I'm gonna say mm-hmm. Gary Busey is. I'm gonna say three seventy five because I think he's between three fifty and four hundred. Gary Busey is three fifty. Excellent work. Yeah, I know how <laughs> much work. quote unquote celebrities think they're worth. <laughs> My favorite is to go on when you go on Cameo, I always click the actors tab because that's what I'm familiar with. And the mm-hmm. first like page and a half are like, it'll say their name in like the bachelorette or like love is blind. So I'm like, those yeah. aren't actors. There's a reality. <laughs> well... There's a reality. There's a reality television tab. I oh, want them okay. on the reality. Te- like when I want an actor, I want like Edie, like Edie McClurg. God, I wish Edie McClurg. She seems primed for cameo. Edie McClurg was like one of the first three people I searched because I don't know if you remember this, but way back in the beginning days of the podcast, we had a whole riff about Edie McClurg. And how wonderful she is. 
Yeah, and I was just like, oh man, what is she on Cameo? She can't be more than $100. Is this worth it for Andrew's birthday yes. or something? She's not on the Cameo. I, I like, she's one of those people that I'm like, you you make so much sense for Cameo. Throw you like 50 bucks, say a few words. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the weird bits of Cameo are where you find the people under $20, I find. That is the, the, the interesting weirdness of it. See, I find a lot of Broadway professionals are like, twenty dollars give or take some go up to like 25 30 but those are like the the big leads and they are honestly most broadway people although i don't know now with what's going on but usually most of the broadway people are like i'm cameoing for charity so your money goes to this cause yeah i have look broadway's the wholesome i feel like broadway's the wholesome side of cameo I have zero problem with people like if somebody if somebody is willing to pay Gary Busey $350 for a minute of his time, more power to you, you know? Like if somebody if somebody wants to send us an email and pay us money to give them a personalized video message for for a minute, I'm happy to do it. I am mm-hmm. I'm easily uh, willing to sell out like that. But what's the the weird side of cameo is the ones where it's like, "Oh, this is somebody's thing." And you were watching, like, because you can watch the sample videos. It's the recipient thing? Yes, yes, yes. Where it's like, uh, I'm paying this Z-grade celeb to insult me. And you're like, oh, I don't think this video is wholesome. I think this makes me feel icky. Maybe. I think for me, it's also like, these celebrities, because you, when you're on Cameo, you set how many Cameos you will accept at a certain time. Yeah. And you set your price. So I'm like... You cannot possibly be vain. Like, how dare you think that your your twenty seconds of your like watch? I, I'm watching your vi- the like clips, and it's just someone in their house, barely looking at the camera, talking yeah. at a wall. And I'm like, you think that's worth two hundred dollars? Whereas like people like drag queens or Elvira, someone who has to like get into makeup and a look and a whole thing. Like, sure, that's a little. There's more effort involved, even though you totally batch these. But like. Some, the Real Housewives stars, I'm like, it's just you sitting in your house, half drunk on Chardonnay, slurring right. out the best way you can pronounce someone's name. How dare you? Take, right. How dare no, you take I, someone's money? <laughs> Effort is required. I That's think, my thing. Like, take the yeah. kid who played Alex Kittner, who like, who could identify him out of a lineup today? He's right. on Cameo. And I think he's like 30 to 40. He's not wildly expensive. Every mm-hmm. single one of his cameos is on a beach. And I was like, yeah, that, that's right. That sounds right. He probably lives in Martha's Vineyard. So I don't think it's like oh, hard think? to get to a beach. Yeah. He has a sandwich shop there. And, and remember the, the article about I did, the I didn't, I didn't know that was in Martha's Vineyard. I just assumed it was he owned a sandwich no, shop I'm, somewhere. I'm pretty sure it was Martha's Vineyard because the, they had like a reunion. And that's where that funny story comes out of. Hmm. Anyway, um, I want to get into the movie. <laughs> Gary Busey. God bless him. Uh, $350 for a minute of his time on we the cameo. Should, there, there should be a Patreon tier of $350 where <laughs> you sponsor us getting Gary Busey to cameo us. Okay, done. You get, to pick, you get to pick an episode and you sponsor Gary Busey telling <laughs> us. Yes. Uh, it is It is a one month $375 <laughs> subscription to cover the Patreon fees. Uh, and then we get the Gary Busey thing. Yeah. So I, I just want to uh, 
take one more second to just think about Talk Dino about De Laurentiis. Canyon. Oh, Tiana. no, Dino De Laurentiis, noted, noted Hollywood, uh, you know, scary movie guy, and Gary Busey, just like in the same room. I just, I sometimes I just want to savor ideas, and that's an idea. I just like anytime I think about Dino and unhinged Gary in the same room makes me smile. Yeah, I can see that. We start. Uh, the movie 16 minutes into the episode uh, with a <laughs> Disney-esque opening theme really feels like, a, you know, you're something wicked's you're, you're those kind of things. Yeah, it's I'm going to I'm going to say off the bat, I find this movie on the boring side, like normally in a werewolf or a creature feature, there's there's stakes and it feels like everyone like it, it either drops you in as the town is like bunkering down beca- at night because of the creature or it's sort of the very beginning and you're watching this town descend into paranoia about a monster. Mm-hmm. Well, this movie somehow does neither, even though those are like it's a binary choice. Like you have to be one of those things and somehow this movie manages to be neither. I don't have a huge rebuttal for that, although I do think that you are discounting that this movie is sort of the third path because this is really a kids in peril movie. Yeah, I guess. It does sort of feel a little like Stephen King's Monster Squad. Yes, which is what the the reason I have such a such a like for this movie is I think it really does have like a cool kids in peril vibe to it. Yeah, I think Um, if I had watched it with that mentality, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting a Stephen King movie. Yeah, yeah. And I I think that totally makes sense. Um, Because this is frankly like I of the two Corey's. I always felt that Feldman was the more interesting of the two actors. Not better, interesting. He got the more interesting characters, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so Corey Haim was always kind of like the quiet boy next door. And I think Mm -hmm. this is a perfect version of that. And then you add in the fact that this particular character is disabled, which he does a really tremendous job with. So he's so young, I didn't realize it was Corey Haim. Oh yeah. At first, so I like went to look up the I like went to the Wikipedia page to go find, to see if the actor was. I was like, I don't, I don't think he is, but let's find out if he's paraplegic. And I was like, yeah. oh, Corey Haim. And then, if you're gonna watch this movie and you don't want the ending spoiled, don't look at the cast list because it says character also billed as werewolf. And I was like, well, yeah, what the <laughs> hell, movie? <laughs> so. Um, that's another anecdote from this movie that I found doing the research that I wanted to share. That actor who most people will know from, uh, Twin Peaks, I think, uh, he was cast to play the priest, uh, spoilers for the end of the movie, uh, Everett McGill. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, he, he plays Reverend Lowe and they hired a dancer to play the werewolf, which I actually think is kind of interesting. Like in terms of movement and things, I think a dancer is not illogical. I would agree with that if the werewolf suit was more interesting. Like, if it's a very um, thin, bony, angular, slender werewolf, yeah, you get cool movement quality. But if you, looking at that suit, it just looks like, it looks like you went to a spirit Halloween and bought, like, werewolf man suit. Like, there's no, it doesn't look unique. It's kind of bulky. So it, it wouldn't allow for interesting movement anyway. So why bother casting a dancer? Yeah, I I think you're probably right. I also think that the version in the movie is probably fine-tuned for Everett McGill, so maybe it had a little bit more maybe. live action to it. But I, based on what's on screen, I think you're totally right. Um, but I, I read this wild story about Everett McGill that has nothing to do with this movie, but I will just tell it quickly. Um, 
So he was on Twin Peaks, the original run of that, the David Lynch show back in the early it's 90s. on my list forever. I, okay, I do not get it. I do really? not understand it. I've tried like four times. I can never finish the pilot. It's like weirdly, extremely melodramatic, and I just can't get over it. And like, it's one of those things where I was sort of brain poisoned by media in general and like my college and post early post-college years where it's like well you're a nerd so here are the things that you like and it's mm-hmm. like you should like godzilla movies and it's like i just don't i just don't it's fine that other people do i'm not saying they're like abominations just like i do not care for that thing i don't like that kind of ice cream you know and i was like just like i tried to get into godzilla movies i had no i could not get into the godzilla movies i, I will say try to do twin I, peaks i saw godzilla in a drive-thru this summer and i was like this is this is the way you're supposed to watch a Godzilla movie. I, yeah, I get that. I don't even hate them. Like, I would totally like. Oh yeah, yeah. They're fine. I, I, they're fine. I, w- I would throw it on in the background, but I, watching it there, I think it was like Godzilla versus maybe Mothra. I okay. think. Um, maybe. Anyways, um, it was like that. It no, it was it was Godzilla versus King Kong, and then there was um uh, another movie about two like fuzzy creatures fighting, and I was like. Oh, this is this in a drive-through setting is exactly how you're supposed to watch these schlocky movies. Yeah, I think that's totally correct. Anyway, quickly, Ever McGill. So he does Twin Peaks. He does the Twin Peaks movie in the early '90s. He does The People Under the Stairs, uh, which is a movie that would totally be an episode of this podcast if it came out two years before it did. It was one um, of the first houses at uh, Halloween Horror Nights. Oh yeah. Anyway, he does a few things here and there. It doesn't act much. He has one, two, three, four, five credits between 92 and 99. Doesn't do a lot of acting. Basically drops off the face of the earth in 99, just like he leaves Los Angeles or whatever and just goes Mm -hmm. off. David Lynch is like circling making this update of Twin Peaks that just came out, I guess it's three years ago now, but it just recently came out. And he's like... I, I'm trying to get the whole band back together. I cannot find Everett McGill. Does anyone know how to find him? And this, he tweets this, like he just puts this out into the that internet. He's like, so bizarre to me. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I, I cannot find him. I, I just, I don't know what's going on. I want to try to talk him into coming back for this movie, but like, I literally cannot find him. Does anyone know how to get him? Someone gets in touch with David Lynch and is like, this is his phone number. And so David Lynch calls him and He's like the phone rings like a, an excessive number of times. And finally, Everett McGill picks up and I start talking to him and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I got to talk to you. This is amazing. Like, I, how are you doing? And he's like, we just talk for like an hour. We don't talk about Twin Peaks at all. It's just like, I missed you. Let's catch up. And we do that for an hour. And then we're wrapping up the conversation. And Everett McGill says, I just want you to know that this is my mom's old house and like I, I honestly wasn't even sure the phone was still connected, and like I never am here. I don't know how, like I don't know how this worked. I'm never at this place, but you managed to call when I was here, and I picked up. What? And then, and then he's like, "Oh, well." The, I, David Lynch is like, "I guess I should get a different phone number." And he's like, "Yeah." So they trade numbers, and then this leads to him coming back and acting in the new Twin Peaks. But just like a crazy story, like that's, how is that real? I thought you were gonna be like, "And that's when we found out Peter McGill died." No, five years no. before. <laughs> no, yeah, Everett McGill, alive and well, happened to be at his mom's house and had that. No, someone gave that number to David Lynch. It's just as crazy. It's. David Lynch is the exact person I would expect something like that to happen to. I agree. Um, Anyway, so (laughs) let's talk about this movie. I actually like this movie and I'm stalling like crazy. It's fine. So 
uh, we've got James Gammon as the uh, Arnie, the town drunk, who uh, people might know from Major League as the sort of surly coach. No, I was like, I was like, I was thinking of a league of their own. I was like, <laughs> nope, I diff- I, that was, that's, that was that's, Tom Hanks. That's Tom Hanks, yes. Uh, Major League is the baseball one with uh, what's his face, uh, Tiger Blood, Charlie Sheen. Hmm. Wait, oh, is that the one where he's in Japan? I don't think he's in Japan. He has like crazy glasses and sideburns. He's wild thing and they sing wild thing. It's the huh, Cleveland no. Indians. I was thinking of there's a never mind. There's a movie about uh, American baseball player going to Japan to be in the Japanese league. And we watched it. Th- I watched it in some in like high school, I think. You're not thinking of like the bad news bears go to Japan because they did go to no, Japan. No, no, it was one it wasn't a team, it was one dude was like traded to a Japanese baseball team. This sounds like a Disney Channel movie. No, no, it was. I don't. It <laughs> What's was, your describing? It was like, sounds... adult, like he and this woman, this the woman that he was like, who was like assigned to help him acclimate, ended up boning. So like, it was not a Disney Channel movie. Huh. I've literally like in a million years couldn't put that to think. Someone out there is furiously tweeting. Yeah. Please, please do because I don't know what it is. Singing the Rheingold beer theme song that I only know because they sang it on the Golden Girls. <laughs> I love the energy of this, though. You start the movie with someone getting their head ripped clean off their shoulders. Is it's not like, even ripped. It's like a swat. Yeah. He, like, but bats he, at him like a cat, and it just goes, Phew. I was immediately on board with this movie. I was, like, looking forward to it. You got Busey, and the, I know there's, like, a magic wheelchair and all that stuff. But then a head gets knocked off inside two minutes. It's like, this is a movie for me. We cut immediately from that to um, the, the Reverend. like, it was an accidental death. And I was like, yeah. how? You can't yeah. like I. If you're gonna say the town says says it's accidental, I need the follow up of like the shady town council. That's like we mustn't speak of the for the greater good. Like I need that. Well, don't they say? Oh, his he he like fell asleep on the tracks and the train knocked his head off. They do, but like. I like the idea that the fiction then is that the werewolf knocks this man's head off and then is very carefully like, ooh, better position this body right. But and he it's wasn't, like dragging because it. Because you can see his body in the morning. <laughs> That's my thing. Like, I, want I, need, the werewolf. I need a shady town council. <laughs> I, I want the werewolf having like the uh the gator lawyer being like, now now, son, you better you better cover <laughs> up that crime. You gotta, you gotta move that body into position so as to throw off suspicion. And but yes, totally. I do talk in rhyme. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm into that version, but I'm also into the version where there's a town council made up of werewolves. I'd also very much enjoy a movie where the town council was secretly werewolves. There's a cool uh, short story called, oh man, is it like Wolf Station? I read not too long ago that's like a guy gets on a train and a man sits down in a business suit and he's reading and then he like slowly dawns on him that everyone on the train is werewolves except for him. That's and, a, that's uh, a, I would want to watch that movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's called like Wolfington Station. There's a there is an actual town in London somewhere that has wolf in the name and mm-hmm. the the author um, wrote the book uh, or the short story about that. I'll, I'll see if I can figure out uh what that was it might have been a joe hill thing i've been reading a lot of his stuff lately anyway the reverend is like sort of a f- watching over a, a competition that's happening and i realized that today that like i never well not today but while watching it uh it had never occurred to me before but i think that small town reverend is like the exact level of fame to which i aspire <laughs> 
like I don't want to be the reverend, but it's like his people know him, but don't bother him. Right. Like everybody okay. knows who the reverend is, but they're just like, we'll pleasantly acknowledge them, but they're not like wanting his autograph. When he goes to the diner, they probably know his order and just are like the they usual. And he's like, pie. he probably does get free pie. Also a plus that, that I was really into that happened to me in college. And it was like my boyfriend at the time and our friends, we always went to the diner at like late at night. And then I, one night, several months in, the guy was like, hey, we're getting rid of some of the desserts in the case, but they said I can give them to regulars. Do you guys want it? And I was like, he said it. Guys, guys, <laughs> guys, he said it. I have only ever been a uh, regular at a place uh, one time, and it was when I was just after college making almost no money at the newspaper that I worked at. And the place down the street, like I lived literally on the same block as my job just by happenstance like mm-hmm. the the apartment was available and i got it and then the bar that i liked on the same street as my apartment and my job had happy hour with free chicken wings Ooh, and four dollar beers so i could go after work have two beers leave a decent tip at a dollar a drink and eat 40 jillion chicken wings and not have to pay for dinner and i was like this is genius. I'm getting dinner and drinks for $10. This is the best life. That is pretty great. Uh, and so I was there basically every single Friday at 4.30 and uh, got to where the bartenders knew who I was. And not that I was like Mr. Extravagant Tipper, but I was always just friendly. Yeah. And so more than one time, they like saw me and were like, uh, you want rum and diet or the beer? And I was like, uh, and I would tell them and they would surf me ahead of other people. And I felt like the king of the world. That is always a fun time. Uh, it is called Wolverton Station. It's a short story. It is by Joe Hill. Okay. Um, but it's it's high, it's Stephen King's son, yeah. uh, who I think uh, writes better endings than Stephen King does. But uh, highly recommend a good short story if you're into the werewolves. Um, <laughs> this is also based on a short story, which I have just recently gotten from the library, but have not read. But yeah, the free pie, like recognized but not annoyed, get to do things like officiate the town pie eating contest or whatever this thing is. N- that's like con- yeah. vague, vague small town contest. But like that's my that's the dream level for me is like notable no- notable residents. <laughs> I'm into that. I can get behind that. Like you're having a, t- a town talent show and it's like, well, the, the Reverend could judge and why. I don't know, but everyone knows who he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No qualification. But yeah, he can do the thing. Yeah. There's a bunch of kids doing some taunting here. And one of them is like, oh, do you have to watch your brother? And it's like, man, that is a there's a really mean thing. You're 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 poning her because her brother's disabled. Cool life. You Which, have like you bud. don't even know that the movie like we haven't even learned that yet. So you're like, oh, that's a weird insult. And then you see two seconds later, he's in a wheelchair and you're like, oh, OK. Yeah, you just suck, man. Like mm-hmm. make fun of her appearance. That's normal bullying. <laughs> this is a step more evil of like your brother is disabled and that makes you worse. Also, cool. Also, inexplicably, this movie takes place in 1976. The narrator sounds 45. Yes. And the little girl, I don't know, she's probably what, 12, 13? Yeah. So she's 24 going on 60. <laughs> yeah. The, the narration, voice. the narration stinks. I, I'm normally I'm not a narrator like I'm normally not one of those people that's like oh narration is the worst thing to have in your movie I think there's plenty of times when it's good this is in the side of 
bad narration. In a movie that I like, the narration stinks, I think. It's because it doesn't really add much. I don't understand the mechanic. Like, it it sounds like sh- it should be book. Like, we've made this reference before. It sounds like it should be bookended with, like, the, the, the Winona Ryder old lady. Yes trope or whatever mechanic from it was her hands like she should be telling a story to her kid like right. mom i heard a wolf howl well let me tell you this story right there's no the, explanation the, of why she says this and then it tries to end all sentimental which is like after that day i could say i love you to my brother and i was like yeah okay is that <laughs> that's the takeaway the- the only way it makes sense to me is if the conceit of this movie is they are now the world's preeminent werewolf hunters, and this is like Into the that. origin story. Yeah, and it's like, we're writing a book about our origins as the preeminent werewolf hunters of the world. Mm-hmm. Or like a, a newspaper's calling her to be like, hey, you say that there's were- werewolves exist. Tell me why you believe that. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. I'll give you that one, too. That's That's a great one. This transitions into... Uh, Corey Haim and his little shit friend are like with the friends. Like, I'm surprised it's not sister. Feldman, honestly. Yeah, no, like I'll, it's big is, Feldman energy. <laughs> this is this was absolutely written. Once they got Haim, they were like, "Oh, Corey Feldman absolutely slots in as this guy." And he was like, oh, "I'm not interested. Thanks." Maybe he was making Goonies, which maybe. would make sense. Or maybe, was, similar I don't time. know. Maybe they hadn't teamed up yet. Maybe the world didn't know the power of the two Corys. I just assumed the two Corys like came out of the womb and then met. Fist bumped. Yeah, exactly. It was like side by side births, and then you know a lifetime of of mediocre movies together. Yeah, fair. They were both born in 1971. Their first one was until 87. So this does predate. Okay. The, we are incorrect. Uh, just you can you can put away the tweet. It's just I see funny that I, I maybe all Corey Haim movies had this character in it, and then when they found the right <laughs> puzzle piece, they were like, "Oh, it's like like someone pulled the, the Feldman out of the stone." Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Excalibur, no Feldman. <laughs> or it's like the 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 strange shaped recess in the rock wall. And then they found the right stone to fit in there to open it up. <laughs> it's exactly the shape of Corey Feldman. Of Corey. <laughs> they like shove him spiky in. Spiky ass hair. Uh-huh. Um, but this kid is the worst kind of little shit. He's like, oh, let's prank your sister. And Corey Ham's like, yeah, all right, that seems fine. And then the prank is just, they throw a snake no, at her. The prank is let's dangle a snake in her face, which not cool if she has a fear. And then yeah. the follow-up, the like off-the-cuff riffing ver- like addition to the prank is let's throw the snake on your sister and push her in the mud. Yeah, this kid sucks, and I was honestly kind of hoping the werewolf would get him. Me too. We also had a real good Canadian sorry out yeah. of Corey Haim, weirdly enough. Yeah, it is a real, real Canadian sorry. And then we learned that the this family, the Coleslaw Oh, Corey family- Haim is Canadian. Oh, is he really? Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't either. Yeah, the Coleslaw family lives in the biggest house I've ever seen. <laughs> the Coleslaw family? That's their last... Well, their last name is Sim- Coslaw? Coleslaw? Whatever. Their last name looks like Coleslaw, so it's that's what I'm going to call them. 
I also, it's a really weird bit where the sister, like, as she's sort of stalking away, sees this woman who's desperately in need of an abortion and a douchey guy who's like, ain't my kid. I don't know what you're talking about, lady. Well, it was, I think she either wanted help with that or, like, be in my life and help me with this child, like, help me raise it or, like, help me do something about it. Right. And the guy is like, neither, because I'm not involved. And I, and I was like, am I supposed to know who this woman is? Or is this just like a tuck it away for late? Like, yeah, I need a little something. Like, mutter under your breath, little girl of like, that's, that's, you know, Morgan. Yeah. LaBramba. Like, I don't In, know. Instead, it's Chekhov's woman who's gonna kill herself. That makes a good opening for werewolves. I it's mind boggling that that's the, <laughs> the choice they made. Yeah. Because yes. we'll get, we'll get to it in a second because the family comes home. They have a carpeted ramp outside. It looks like. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, not to be the like, well, actually guy, but probably helps with the traction maybe. Oh yeah. I guess instead of like the grippy strips. Yeah. Yeah. It might have um, just been like a budget, like we do not have the budget. I, this family is not super well off. And so. But their house is huge. No, it is enormous. It, yes. Well, they live in like Iowa, where I assume like $48 buys you a. Wait, they don't. Uh, I thought they lived in Maine because it's a Stephen King story. Well, it. So obviously, always Stephen King is Maine, but they don't ever really establish it. And so it just looks Midwestern to me. But okay, I'll give you Maine. Same deal. Like, I think $400 buys you a studio apartment, like, f- buys, not rents. You own it, yeah. Yes. So I, mean, I assume this house. The, the tourism board of Maine is going to send us such angry tweets. <laughs> I assume that, like, somewhere along the line, this mom and dad bought this house for, like, I don't know, 12 grand in today's money. Like, whatever that equivalent was back then, they had scraped together 12 like grand. $400, probably. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, great, this is your house now. You own it with no mortgage. Uh, we get some fairly believable sibling writing. At the, when he goes, yeah. he comes into her room to give her money for new pantyhose because she, when she fell because of the snake, she scraped him up. Yeah. And there's like a real nice moment of like, I'm really sorry about that. And she's like, I'm really sorry that I was an asshole about our uncle. And it's like a nice little moment. Yeah, because we, we, we glossed over, but this was your first Busey appearance where he's like kind of drunk. Well, you know, he's, he's only mentioned. He's not, he, we don't see him yet. That's right. That's right. But they talk about him being a chronic drunk. Mm-hmm. And then we smash cut to... Also, did you notice... Sorry, but did okay. you notice that Haim is in a regular wheelchair? In the house. At the house. Yeah. And then, but, like, getting he gets out of the car and into a... A, a non-motorized chair. Yeah, a standard wheelchair. I was like... I, my brain couldn't pull standard out of the air. Uh, but he had, like, a super cool motorized one For very shortly about. after. Okay. So yeah, his out. That looks, does make sense. It looks like the, the in the house wheelchair isn't motorized. It's just a standard chair. It's probably also smaller. Yeah, like, and then outside yeah, it's sense. these like souped up go karts that Gary Busey builds him. <laughs> Extremely dangerous things that Gary he gives Busey's a child. character in this movie is like the coked out alter ego version of Uncle Buck. Absolutely. Yes. Like Uncle Buck after after a few few bumps at the disco, like. <laughs> I got a great idea. It's a 400 horsepower motor strapped to a pair of handlebars. And then my nephew right on top of that. No helmet. No seatbelt. No seat belt. helmet. 
so then after the little sibling moment, we smash cut to a woman going to kill herself with pills. And what I believe is the shot that makes me not like it ruins the my ability to take this werewolf seriously of him climbing up the trellis to her second story window. <laughs> Like, we see the the stupid fucking furry claw gloves grab yeah. the trellis and climb. Like, what are we doing? Why is that a problem? I don't, like, oh, to me, a, were, like, a werewolf shouldn't need to climb the trellis. It should, like, jump up there. Like, oh, it's oh, like, oh, oh. it's like, well, let me, let me make sure I have my knee pads on if I'm gonna, <laughs> and a helmet so I can, I can be safe. Let me get this uh, rig on here and buckle myself in. in. Keep the carabiner into this harness so I can safely <laughs> climb to the second story. Put on my rock shoe so I yeah. don't scrape up my toenails. Exactly. Like, you're a werewolf. <laughs> uh, fair, fair. Like, uh, maybe yeah, he just doesn't have magic jumping power. can use the trellis to, like, sneak on in. But, like, if you're a werewolf, no. You gotta... <laughs> I, I I'm sorry to be like werewolfist. Like, <laughs> yeah, this but, is extremely werewolfist. But the like, Werewolf Society of America is furiously <laughs> tweeting at us right now. Come at me, bro! But like, I just I need you to be a little more like fierce and ferocious. <laughs> we're here. We're hairy. Get used to it. That's yeah. their slogan. <laughs> so he kills this woman who is about to kill herself, and this woman literally. <laughs> As the line of dialogue, suicides go to hell and I don't even care. I was like, that's a weird thing that's probably going to come back later. She's also... And she she so, takes these... She, <laughs> she takes an open pill like bottle. She's got like a hundred pills in there, right? Like, it's like a hundred pills. She pours out... It's like a hundred neon pink Tic Tacs. And like, normally in a movie or something, when someone wants to kill themselves, you see them take a handful of pills... And or just in their drink mouth. the bottle. Yeah, like there's something. She pours them all out into a dish and takes one at a time. Like, one, gulp. <laughs> so Let's funny. try two, gulp. And I'm like, you're going to be here for four days. She, <laughs> she did the Tootsie Roll version of like, how many pills does it take to do a suicide? One? A two? Or it's like a fucking Pringles. Like once you pop, you just can't yeah. stop. I'm imagining that Al being like one, <laughs> two, and then downing the bottle and falling off his little perch. Crunch, there. yeah, it's much better. Yeah, it, I could not believe that that was the direction that they went with. Of like, you're gonna take these pills one individually at a time because the werewolf has to get to you and he's missing his cue. And she's not even like washing it down with like vodka or something. No, she's taking like little dainty sips with, of like, water, a, a glass of water. <laughs> it's the weirdest. Weirdest movie suicide. It's the funniest movie suicide I've ever seen. But I, I will say this doesn't come up until much later. But the idea that the werewolf is kind of using his powers for good is really interesting to but me. And they don't do enough with it. He Because he only... So the werewolf kills like six, six people. Right. And only justifies one, this woman. Right. right. And I was like, cool. Because later in the movie, he's like... I saved her from killing herself. I saved her soul. And I was like, oh, so like, are we going to learn that, you know, the, the first guy who died was, you know, uh, a, a predator of some kind. Or, right, like, right. Or the other, like, no, there's no explanation for anybody else. So why are we wasting time explaining the one, not even the first murder? Like, if this was, if this was the first murder, 
I would be like, oh, and then after that, you lost it. It's like her, his second or third. I would even be fine if all of them were werewolves. Or, or sorry, if all of them were suicides that the werewolf was like preventing. Well, then I then I wonder, like, what's wrong with this town? <laughs> like, there are that many attempted suicides in one town. Feels yeah. a little like uh, x files This is a pretty depressed see depressed not in the uh like depression with a capital d disease but depressed as in economically like the, uh, probably not a lot of jobs the recession the factory, depression right the refa- the factory might have like rolled up stakes and left town not long ago that could very well be a thing the movie could tell you that honestly that would be a cool like sort of the way 30 days of night plays with the darkness and the vampires like a town where the werewolves are like people are leaving the town because like a factory is just closed and a werewolf comes in there and it's just like killing all these people and the disappearances are chalked up like, well, they just must have moved in the middle of the night to go do something else. Oh, I like that. And like you can, a, it could be a period piece. Yeah. Or, or, you know, set in Detroit circa like right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I feel <laughs> but like, like in today there's like social media. Yeah. 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 That's true. Like Bill hasn't tweeted in, in a week. <laughs> Oh, said a ryan depressing. murphy character yeah exactly exactly i not the movies i watch um there is an awesome blast through the window after this kills this woman i like that the wolf this whole attack sequence i enjoy it's like yeah. flashes of the wolf and you you can't quite see the whole thing and there's like some deep scratches oh like yeah gougy scratches that look really cool uh and then we get your classic stephen king trope of like pissed off small townies so there's Okay, I watched a version um, from Xfinity on AMC because uh-huh. I couldn't find it somewhere anywhere else. Yeah. It- um, so it was like cut for TV. So there were about five to seven minutes shaved off. Yeah. But after- So it's like 80 minutes in the version you watched? It was 86 minutes. Okay. Instead okay. of it's 95. Just, a, it's like 92. Yeah. Yeah. So there were like five to six minutes shaved off. Okay. Um, and it goes from this- from you know the woman the woman with a gun who i don't know how she's related to the woman who died yeah her landlady her mom who knows it goes to her discovering the dead body smash cut to the door of the sheriff's office and people i don't think i had the body discovery in the in the she goes up the stairs with the gun and then throws open the door and it's like that might have been a special for tv thing so they added that but took out other stuff yeah they do that a lot with tv edits huh I don't remember Where that. Where did you that, watch it? I, I I actually rented it. Okay. Yeah. Um. So she discovers the dead body, and then it smash cuts to the sheriff's office door, and they're talking about it. For I'm not exaggerating for comedic like there's no comedy here. For ninety seconds to two minutes, and then it smash cuts to the bar where there are people are complaining about the sheriff being ineffective, and I was like, well, I don't. You need to show me more of like don't, i don't want to see the town reacting like show me that the sheriff is like a drunk or the sheriff doesn't give a shit yeah i am like my notes it's the scratch effects and then to the townies in the bar and lawrence tierney is the bartender so i wonder if that's like a tv insert that you saw maybe it doesn't make any because it didn't make any sense i was like you can't like i need to see for myself something about the sheriff whether he cares or doesn't care but you can't show me like 10 seconds and then cut to someone else 
Right. So like the version that I watched, they're in the bar and the sheriff is in the bar and people are saying like kind so of you didn't get a reveal or the sheriff's office in between. No. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So he so he they're in the bar and the sheriff is getting like heckled and then these two guys are about to start a fight and then crazy person noted crazy person Lawrence Tierney uh interv- intervenes with a baseball bat and I was so mad that Lawrence Tierney is only in this movie for the small amount that he is because he is an actual madman have you have you heard the Seinfeld story which is he oh he's Helene's dad yeah, and you yeah. know why he never came back? Because he literally pulled a knife on Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, you're right. I, yeah, I did read the knife story. <laughs> he literally pulled a knife on him for some perceived whatever. He thought it was a joke. He thought it'd be a good bit. Like, ah. Yeah, no, like, that's what he, I, there was an explanation where he was like, I thought it would be a funny bit. And people were like, no. No, thanks. But I was disappointed that there wasn't more, uh, more of him in this. Yeah, he he's got a baseball bat that says the peacemaker on it. Um so you can recognize it later. Yes, yeah, that is a, a Chekhov's baseball bat. But he uh, like breaks up a fight and then um <laughs> all I could think of with him is that like he's the kind of bartender where if you walked up and you were like one rum and coke please, he'd be like we don't serve girl drinks to men here. You're going to have yep. Jack Daniels in a warm dirty glass. Yep. I had that argument like with a bartender years ago, not with a bartender, but with someone I was with where they were like, oh, I'll get around. Uh, it was like somebody's husband and I had never met him before. And I was like, oh, I'll have a rum and, rum and Coke and or probably a rum and Diet Coke being more realistic. And he was like, oh, you drink girly drinks? And I was like, I do. But since when is that a girly drink? Like I didn't order a pina I would be colada. like, what are you, a freshman? Like, yeah, that's <laughs> the appropriate drink. Yeah. It's like whatever or the appropriate response it's it's easy to drink and it tastes good but i was just like i was just like i i never in my life has that been pointed out as a girly drink to me Mm -hmm. and i I don't this is not like a oh you have attacked my masculinity and i'm being defensive i was like or that or to say that there are quote-unquote girly drinks but like i've i've heard a lot like Cosmo, whatever, something pink and fruity. I've seen people call, but I've never heard someone say rum and coke is a right. I was, I was like, like a pirate drink. (laughs) Yes, I was, I was like, um, I mean, I love stuff with little umbrellas in it. So, like, yes, I do. That's a category of drink I'm into. But like, what are you talking about? That's anyway. I'm like, just for that, just for that, Brohan, order me a buttery nipple. You stupid fuck. (laughs) I would like uh, whatever woo-woo, redheaded, whatever, it comes with whipped cream on the, top. The redhead? No, the the whipped cream shot was a BJ shot. I don't know. I, I didn't, I, I have seen it in movies, never oh, in Oh, no, I've, it's a real thing that bartenders I'm sure, did. We but did I've never seen bunch. it. Yeah, I've never seen a whipped cream shot IRL. Anyway, he is absolutely the kind of bartender that would only serve two drinks, and that would be what he made. Mm-hmm. So... We get the silver bullet wheelchair reveal from Gary Busey after the bar scene. No, he has to, he, he drives his, he wheels his friend home. But, oh, sorry. This is where we learn that the wheelchair is called, called the silver, the silver bullet. bullet. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Cause it, it's painted on the side and he is, uh, Emma is riding home on his lap. Also, I'm, this movie's timeline is confusing because it sounds like it's the end of school. Yes. And then later Gary Busey's like, it may be, 
September, not 4th of July, but you can still have fireworks. And I was like, well, wait, how, wait, hang on. What, how much time has passed? I agree with you that it seems like school is out. Like, I think it's summer into like school starting because the leaves, it feels like a fall movie to me in the second It ends on Halloween. Right, right. So I think it's like maybe in August-ish that we start the movie. But it looks like school is just getting out. I agree. It doesn't make any sense. Because it's saying, I think they're it's, like, aren't you happy to be done with out of prison or whatever? And he's like, I yeah. like school. I think that the movie starts early summer. I think this is like a six month or a, like a three to six month movie. Like, I okay. think we're in June, July. I think we're in like July when you start. Because it's it, so I could realistically see making conversation with a child in July and talking about, aren't you glad you're not in school as like no, an the, adult? The, the kid says it to him. His buddy who gets got says it to him when they leave. Okay. That's what I mean. Like the I, yeah, kids are yeah. talking about like, and I was like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. It is weird. I, I totally agree with you. The timeline is weird. Um, so he, his wheelchair, this wheelchair sounds like a lawnmower. Yeah. I could, I could literally smell the two stroke engine mm-hmm. when this thing fires. I was up. Like, like, oh, immediately. Am, I, am I at the Tomorrowland Grand Prix in, in Magic <laughs> Kingdom? <laughs> I'm just imagining someone going way too fast on a dirt bike down a city street. That is my <laughs> reference for it. Uh, DC and Baltimore share that same affliction. People riding dirt bikes on the city streets way too quickly. Wait, dirt bikes like... Rain, rain, rain. Terminator 2 dirt bikes. I thought dirt bikes were... No, that was a mountain bike. My bad. Um, <laughs> so he, he like drives his friend home. And I was like, oh, this is going to be the girl in peril that he's going to have to save. Great. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. And her dad is like a drunk asshole and like hates him because he's in a wheelchair. Get get in the house and stop talking to that cripple kid. I was like, whoa. Yeah. And I was like, oh, great. So we're going to, this is our, this is our, what was it? Deadly friend? Yeah. 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 This is our deadly friend moment. And before she leaves, she was like, yeah. I'm scared of that. And she points to what I thought was the greenhouse. And I was like, what the hell is there a greenhouse in your property? And then the camera like adjusts. And I was like, oh, the the creepy shack on your property? <laughs> yeah, it's why really is it, weird. Why do you have a drug shack on your property? <laughs> is your dad a meth cook? Why is <laughs> That's this what, here? It looks like that. Yeah. And then we get a little smoochy. Mm-hmm. Like very chaste children. Yeah. Fine. Not unpleasant to, in a movie. And then uh, the abuse man. Oh, I, I do like the part where he's riding home and he's like desperately running out of gas for this thing. And he gets to the gas station and the guy like they do a little bit of business about like, oh, should I change the oil? And he's like, yeah, get the bugs off the windshield. I, I did kind of like that. That was cute. It's like yeah. he's got this relationship with the gas man. Well, I'm also um, surprised that he doesn't have a spare like something in his. There's also no indication that there's like a gas gauge on this wheelchair. There is because he so... looks at it. Oh, OK. That's how I must have missed that. At. Because I kept being like, does he just have to guess? Like, is he just know by feel at this point? He has a mental track. Uh, but yeah, this is when Busey shows up and they're playing poker with baseball cards as chips. Yeah, I, it, it took me a minute. I was like, what the hell are they talking about? And I can't. I don't know how you create this valuation system because there's a quite a funny bit where one of them tries to use a manager and the other one, I think the kid tries to play manager and Busey's yeah. like, no managers. And it's like, whoa, okay. I guess that's, that's how this works. And it's Your like, uncle's a little too <laughs> aggressive about the yes. situation. This well, fun game you're playing. He's drinking wild Turkey straight out of the bottle. And I don't know if you've ever had wild Turkey, but no, because uh, I don't hate myself. 
Well, I've had it one time, and it was immediately put on the never again list uh, because I actually that's not true. You can get it on Southwest Airplanes, and I have gotten it there when they were out of other brown liquors that I wanted. But I was drinking it, not realizing the 101 was the proof, which means it's like 50% Ooh, stronger. Uh, and so I smoked a cigarette. Oh, is that which, what you, you drank that night when you burned yes. your fingers? Yes. So I was, I, uh, imagine if you were holding a cigarette, there's like, you know, the filter part and then the cigarette part. I, you're supposed to hold it at the filter. I was holding it like smack in the middle of the part that burns and smoking this cigarette and gesturing and talking or whatever. And someone Being very kindly. As you are. Yeah. Like a cigarette gives you the drama. Yeah. And, and someone very kindly was like, hey, uh, clearly you've never smoked a cigarette because you're going to burn yourself. Fucking nerd. Yeah. And I was like, eh, go piss up a rope. I don't know. I don't need you. And I woke up the next morning and my fingers were farther apart than a normal peace sign because I had blisters so big between my knuckles that my fingers wouldn't touch each other. So <laughs> that's what Wild Turkey did to me. And Gary Busey drinks it like it's water. Yep. And, and he's also wearing the nastiest shirt I have ever seen on a movie like character. It looks like it's a sleeveless Hawaiian shirt. Yes, but it's also got, like, holes and dirt all over it. It's not a good look. Like, there are people playing homeless people in movies who have nicer looking clothes on. Yes. Well, also, is is it supposed to be that he runs a garage or something? It's never at all explained. I got the impression that he's, like, a out-of-work tinkerer. <laughs> I don't like he no longer has a job like a handyman he, no 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 that like I don't know what he did previously but now that he has no job he is he tinkering to keep it. himself busy <laughs> I he's he, I was like hang on what the <laughs> fuck is a tinkerer as a profession like how can you be out of work you know a professional tinkerer no he's like that guy in one magic Christmas who's always like toiling away making Molly Monahan bikes you mean the dad yeah yeah <laughs> But that's what I imagine him doing. Like he's he's drunk, out Making of work, and it's just wasn't it Elizabeth tinkering. Moss? Wasn't wasn't it baby Elizabeth Moss as? I don't think so. She's in Suburban Commando, but I don't think she's in. in it was one a, it was in a it was a movie. It was a star. Hang on, was it really? It was. I remember Molly Monahan was like an actress now. Oh, it's Sarah Polly. Thank you. I I knew it was a, a unique looking blonde. I really like. They like have this little thing. Feldman, or sorry, uh, Corey Haim's mom is like, "All right, it's bedtime," and he's like, "Let us finish this poker game." And they finish the game, and he goes up to bed, and he gets in the like uh, wheelchair lift or electric chair lift for the stairs, and he he put he does this like fist under the chin pose that is just a very good joke for a kid that age. That he's like, "Good night, y'all," and then does this like very <laughs> ridiculous pose. I thought it was great. It was, I like that bit. And all of a sudden, mom is just, like, screaming at uncle. To be clear, Gary Busey sticks his nose in where it does not belong. Oh, yeah, but, like, again, the movie, for some reason, was like, we can't be ten minutes longer than we are. So we have to just cram everything in. <laughs> well, in maybe yours got trimmed, but in my version of this, 
he says something to her like, hey, you should be easier on the kid. And she's like, hey, I'm with him every day because he's my son. You come up once every two weeks, get drunk and play poker with him. So it'd be cool if you didn't tell me how to be his parent. Well, she was snapping at him for like before the he, she even sent the kid upstairs. I imagine that. You could extrapolate from this interaction with Busey how much of a nightmare he is on a regular basis. I mean, fair. It's Gary Busey. But, like, I don't know. It, it was weird to me that the movie wasn't... It started with the with the, with the the little girl telling her brother that her uncle's a deadbeat. And I was like, yeah. why, why couldn't we overhear that in the car or something? Yeah, yeah. Or, like, a phone conversation with the mom where he's, like, begging for money. And she's like, I yeah. can't give you any money. And then the mom and dad, yeah, I'm with you. That's That's better writing. Uh, we also, we cut right from this little fight to uh, Gary Busey's watching the National Wrestling Alliance on television. That's not Gary Busey. Oh, not Busey. Uh, it's that girl's dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 the, the mean man, sorry, is watching I like, NWA. Oh, uh, I really wrote, oh, so we don't have any time to hate him before we kill him. Yeah, well, he did call Corey Haim a cripple, which I no, feel. But I mean, like, there's no time to hate him. Oh, it's like in in Deadly Friend, that dad was around for a while and you like built he has up. an arc. This was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Ah, I hate cripple kid. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he's watching this pro wrestling on TV and is like the dialogue. He's like talking to the fighters like, hey, that's my party. And I'm like, what? What does that even mean? You no, know, he says my parts. Oh, that hurts oh, my parts. Oh, 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 yes. My S looks like a Y. Sorry. Still, that hurts it, my parts. It's a parts. weird line. I'm not going to... It's like, a weird line. I stand by what I said. Um, And then this is when I was like, why does this man have a full... Because he goes into the greenhouse and I was like, oh, is it like pot? Like, is that what yeah, this yeah, is yeah. going to be? Yeah. Because that would feed into the like moralistic werewolf that like he's growing drugs, which in the 80s was like, uh-huh. you might as well set fire to your whole town. Yeah, no, I think you're I think you're totally right. Instead, uh, it's like there's cactuses and flowers and I was like, so he's just like is he the town? Do they run the florist? Do they he's run He's just a, a botany enthusiast. It's so weird. What's even weirder is that the werewolf pops out of the ground like Kane and does a WWE like he dra- he's well, dragging first, him to hell. Oh my first god. You see his eyes through the floorboard like <laughs> But he, like, pops up through the ring and drags underneath, like, he's dragging him to hell, my god, where is he taking him? And then he gets impaled on a board. He, the yes. werewolf doesn't even kill him, and I was well, like... Well, the werewolf causes him to be but impaled. I, but it wasn't like the werewolf reached into his chest and pulled out his heart or, like, slashed yeah. at his throat. The werewolf pulled him through the floorboards and he got right. impaled on a board, and I was like, why did we make that choice? Are we supposed to, like, absolve the werewolf of something? It's very silly. Uh, so now that it's been 25 minutes and there's been three murders, now the town gives a shit. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, like, macho bullshit at the bar. Yeah, they keep cutting back to this bar, and this dude with mutton chops is like, I'm go- I am I can be a better sheriff than the sheriff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's your sort of, like, Jaws-esque small town grumbling at a threat sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we see... This kid loves to climb things a lot. Yes. It's very bizarre choice. He, he, well, he Earlier he climbed a tree. Now he's climbing. This Wait, tree. it's not the friend. It's a different kid, right? It's the kid. It's um Haim. He's, he's climbing yeah, a yeah, tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, right, right, right. And his sister is like, Matt, it was like, you better come home. Dinner was ready an hour ago. Um, So as they as they go home, 
he turns to his friend. He's like, hey, you're going to come over for dinner. And his friend's like, no, I'll be there later. And I was like, that's not how that's not how being invited for dinner works. <laughs> like, this is save, save me a plate. I'll be there around 830. Yeah. Like, <laughs> tell you how to now. make me a plate, wrap it up and keep it in the oven so it stays warm. Yeah. And he stares at his friend while this wistful music plays. And I was like, is he the werewolf? <laughs> yeah. If you didn't know, you might think that. Which, like, that would be interesting that he's the werewolf, and when he when he is a wolf, he can walk. Yeah, like, yeah. That's kind of an interesting twist. Um, so this we go we cut from that to the bar again, and all of a sudden this bald man comes in. And he's like, "Has anyone seen my son?" And I was like, "Why are you checking here first? <laughs> I don't mean well, to tell you how to parent, but uh, <laughs> that doesn't feel like the first place you should look." He did your standard rundown of first the the jail, second the bar. Yeah, was the morgue next? Like, uh, yeah, it is. It is utterly bizarre. Uh, his friend is dead now. Yes, murdered in a gazebo, and we get quite a crazy dad scream about this. Yeah, it's good. It reminds me of um of uh, Mrs. Kittner to go back to our earlier. Oh yeah, for sure. It's got that same kind of energy. And we cut from this to the funeral, like, very quickly, we're getting this okay, kid in the ground. they don't waste any time to get this kid in the ground. <laughs> He's barely cold, and they're, they're like, like, all right, flowers so to plant here. Dig a pit, let's go! Busey pulls out a flask at a funeral. Yes, yeah. The, very, very much... He's an alcoholic. Did you remember that he's an alcoholic? Hey, by the way, Busey's an alcoholic. Oh, boy. Um, And after the funeral, they... Gary Busey's like, I'll drive the kid back home. And I was like... I don't think anyone should get in a car with you, Gary Busey. <laughs> and as they're driving home, Gary Busey's like, they're going to catch this guy, this man. Don't worry. And the kid's like, what if it's not a man? And Gary Busey's like, what do you mean? And he was like, what if it's a monster? And I was like, we can't even consider that. It like, <laughs> like, those are the two options, kid. <laughs> well, what would the third option be? A woman. Oh, I was when he said man, I was like, I expected Gary Busey to be like, I expected Busey to be like, what, do you think it's a woman? And then the kid would be like, no, what if it's a werewolf? Even though there's no reason for the kid to think it's a werewolf. Look, in 1985, the person who was doing the killing was either A, a man, or B, a monster of some type. Women didn't get into the killing until the 90s. Uh, sleepaway camp. I'm obviously kidding. Um, yeah, I just thought that was so weird, because I was like, the natural response would be, a woman? I also don't understand why this kid thinks it's a werewolf. Like, it's not like there's pictures or, like, the kid stumbled across the body himself. Like, there's nothing to imply that it's a monster or something supernatural. There also needs to be a bit where the werewolf... or Sorry, where the kid is, like, into werewolf comic books or he's yes. reading a werewolf book or a he's, monster like... monster squad moment. <laughs> yeah, we need this kid to be a monster nerd in order for this to make sense. Or witness something, which also would be fine. Or be like, oh, it only happens when there's a full moon. Yes, any sort of anything other than just, it's a werewolf, point blank, no proof. What? That doesn't make any sense. I was like, what is this kid doing? And now Mutton Chops is, like, leading... He's he's dressed like he's in the army. And I was like, 100% you bought those at the Army-Navy surplus store in the next town over. Yes, for sure. And he's, like... He's... He's, like, laid out a map on a pool table in the bar and is, like, alpha unit and, like, telling people where to go. And the sheriff mm -hmm. is, like, hold up, hold yeah. up. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. 
Also, you can't just make a posse. That's like, I realize that I'm the sheriff and that might be a confusing word because you're thinking like, you know, hi-ho silver and all that bullshit. But this is like a democratically elected position. This is not, this is not the old West. We're not just rounding up a posse. And like, we all saw what happened in, is it Halloween 2 where there's the posse? I think it's Halloween 2. It's either 2 or, 2 or 4. But I think it's two. We're like, yeah, so this is just a bad idea. And then all of a sudden, one guy's like, hang on, let's listen to the sheriff. And I was like, oh, are we going to get like a good split in the crowd? A voice of reason or what have you. And then all of a sudden, bald, bald dead kid dad is just like skulking in the background. Like the camera like does a swivel, like a fast swivel over to him. And he's like, my son is dead. And I was like, are you, are you supposed to be our Quint? him doing like jo- nails on the chalkboard you know scree kind of thing yeah um and so there's this moment where the whole town's like we're gonna go find this killer and the the intensity and the music and the pacing and the scripting feels like the beginning of the third act of this movie totally agree with you it is like one of the weird odd pacings i should also say we didn't mention this but terry o'quinn is the sheriff he's a lock on lost um People will know who yeah. that is. He also played the stepfather. You might know the stepfather. The titular stepfather? Yes. Um, I also like the reverend, like, running, like, knowing what we know about the movie. It's really funny that the reverend's like, wait, this, you're going off and rushing into this. This is a bad idea. And, like, throwing his hands up, trying to stop the cars as they all go, like, whizzing down with. Mm-hmm. It is very much like the scene in Jaws, like, the back of the truck is full of men with guns and stuff. Uh-huh. Um so yeah, it's it's it this this should have been a third act moment, but it this movie is paced weird. Uh I, I will say you kinda need the bloodbath to happen, and this is certainly like a prelude to a bloodbath. Needs to be the be- end of act two, beginning of act three. Yes. Yeah. This that's this but this was the be- this was end of one, beginning of two. Right, right. It was bizarre. Some dude gets his leg caught in a bear trap, and I was like, bear traps are terrifying. There's a really great bit where the guy, like, starts to open it, gets startled, a lets it go. moment? <laughs> yes! And I was just like, oh my god, this man's leg! And then we cut to the rest of the posse, and they're all marching in single file. And I was like, that's not how, like, that's not how you look for someone. Right, you fan out about eight feet apart, six to eight feet apart, so you and you walk in a line. Like, you can all yeah. see each other. Right. But you don't there's a single file. They're also walking in like chest deep ish fog. It's it like they're really walking cool. through a pool. Oh, it's rad as hell. But in terms of logic, you're like, wait a minute. Well, I was is... like, are we supposed to infer that this is like a swamp? Right. It's some Scooby Doo ass shit. Is it sw- <laughs> Yes it is. <laughs> like, like is it supposed to be swampland or what? I'm picturing someone just yelling jinkies repeatedly <laughs> in the background of this. Uh and then we get what was clearly the inspiration for the raptors in the grass sequence in yes the lost world yeah yes yes lost world, where they're all getting yoinked under the under the fog yeah and then that one dude gets beat with his own bat yeah you see yeah. his nope. arm you see his arm pulling <laughs> his... out of the fog to hit hit and all of a sudden it's on a werewolf a werewolf hand is holding it and beating yeah it. i wanted it to be the werewolf using his arm holding the bat that would have been better yeah, I would have liked that more. But there's but yeah, a reason that we don't see anything happen because it's all under the fog trip, and that's because they can't afford it. Yeah. 
it's way less expensive. Which also, is weird because you would think that Stephen King at this point would have enough clout that they would like, yeah, let's throw some more money at this. Yeah, but it's Dino, baby. That's true. He's the low budget king. That's what I mean. Like it's weird that it's Dino's movie. You would think that a larger studio, like an even a New Line, would have been like, "Hey, we'll do a Stephen King movie." I don't think New Line was around yet. I think you're. I think you're like way too early for New Line. No, because the first Nightmare is like what eighty four. Oh, maybe you're right. New Line feels nineties to me. So, but you're no you're correct. New Line. Yeah, was... you're right. You're right. You're right. Um. I also like the fog made me think that the werewolf like really is just a sauna guy. <laughs> he, he's the imp pouring the water from uh-huh. the wooden pail into the onto the coals. <laughs> you go into the woods and the werewolf is like propped up on a tree in the fog with a towel around his waist. No, he's on a stump. He's sitting on a stump with oh, his okay, head back. Okay. Like, yeah. <sighs> head back against a tree and mm-hmm. it's like he's he's sweating and he's like, Hey, hey, you're letting you're letting all the steam out. Close the door. <laughs> You're like parting leaves, parting good, leaves to get, get to him. Sweat. <laughs> I just, I just love the idea of a werewolf fits werewolf sauna. Yeah, yeah. That sounds the like newest... one of those Bailey school kids books. <laughs> <laughs> Werewolves don't use the sauna. Uh huh. Uh huh. Or a goosebumps, maybe. Yes. There's like a the cover is like a janitor who's cleaning the sauna, and there's just like all this hair on the, around the drain. <laughs> it's, it's all. He's, he's no no he's like on his knees holding a oh, clump yeah. of hair yes. that's like clearly come out of the drain. Yes. Werewolf um, Sama, the newest novelty song to hit the airwaves. <laughs> um so I, I guess I have I was like it this part is honestly my favorite because it's like we joked before about how quickly they did the one funeral. This is a quad funeral. It's like these people, I've realized it's a small town, but each of these people have families that do not live in this town that would like presumably want to come to their funeral. And it's think. like you show up and it's like today we have the Smith, Massey, Jones and Adamson funerals well, and they're all happening simultaneously. I'm picturing at this point they put a, a theater marquee on the church <laughs> so that they can like say <laughs> like now morning, now morning, now morning. <laughs> Now morning. And then it's just the names. <laughs> and they had to like, they have a guy out there with like a quick draw to just like slot in the new, like, cause there's so many funerals happening. No, they that's to keep adding. They're using, they're using letters. They're using numbers for letters. Like, yeah. Yeah. The last guy's name is Ned and it's N3D. They're like, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's someone's like, wait, is this, is this like blame, a- Eliz- blame Elizabeth Sheedy. She took all the E's. <laughs> Yes, that M is a W upside down. <laughs> we had to turn this D into a P a couple of times. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's an upside down Y is an A, and people are like, okay, that one is too much. That's, like, that's not even a thing. You've gone too far. And he's like, then you people buy me some more letters. <laughs> we have a very small budget for this. Um. So he's he talks about the the. I just want to give you delayed. I was too busy like jumping in on the bit, but the Elizabeth using all the E's is <laughs> very Sheedy. good. Yeah, Thank Elizabeth you. Sheedy using all the E's is very good, and I just want to take time to acknowledge it. This is a very good, and <laughs> instead you. of laughing, I got in on the bit, and hey, I just I yes feel I the need to. Yeah, I just want to take a pause and say that that was very good, and I liked it very much. <laughs> Ned with a three. So the passengers that they're talking about, like, you know, people die, whatever. And then Bald Dad is like, 
how about some private justice? And I was like, hey, buddy, we literally just saw that that <laughs> didn't work. We tried that. It obviously failed. He's just you were gesturing there. at the coffins. And then all of a sudden, yeah, that would be me as the pastor. <laughs> like, like, yes, we tried that. It was pointing to a coffin. Abject failure. We had to install a theater marquee for this re- because the private justice didn't work. We went down to the drive-in, which is closed, and we took the sign and put it here. That would a drive-in attack would have been great. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like a, like a car parked in the back where the teenagers are necking gets yoinked, and they're watching a werewolf movie. Like they're watching yeah. the original Wolfman. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm all into that. Yeah. Um, and this is where. You, I was the the bald dad starts to become a werewolf, and I was like, "Oh shit! Do these people people who got attacked but weren't killed? That now the whole town's full of werewolves. This yeah, is so yeah. cool." No, yeah. it's a dream sequence. Yeah, I was disappointed in that too. I Organist also werewolf is my favorite. Organist werewolf is great because it's basically Beetlejuice's graveyard review. It is. <laughs> oh, I miss um, that show. Friggin' uh, but Fast I- and the Furious. I also thought it was super creepy. Like even before they turn into wolves, they're doing this like side to side sway as they're I was, singing. Okay. I have a note. That, like, is that a white people church thing to sway slightly out of rhythm? Because I've been to a couple I, funerals and I just I've never seen that. It was specific swaying though, where it was like you know rows. Yeah, like all the even number rows are going left while the odd number rows are going right, and then they alternate. And it was I thought so unsettling. Yeah, it was very bizarre. But I'm with you. I, I I think this movie is better if there are a bunch of werewolves. Like, the town is slowly becoming Werewolf City, USA. I think that's great. Which I think is just the plot of that Howling movie we did, isn't it? Yes, but <laughs> no, no one has ever done a big budget one where, like, at the end there's, like, 200 werewolves. Like, people have done, like, the well, Howling movie we did has, what, eight in it, you know? No, it's, the whole it, town was werewolves, I thought. Yeah, but because they all they all converge on the on the um the mission. I thought it was like ten, twelve tops. Maybe it's been a minute, but I want I want like a stadium of werewolves. <laughs> okay, I like, like that. I, like I want us. I want the town to have in in this werewolf movie we're pitching. I want the town to have a minor league baseball team, and like all of the people in the stands are werewolves. Oh, I think the whole team was going to be, the the whole team was werewolves. No, I want, I want like like, a teen wolf, but baseball. No, 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 no. This is, this is it. So everyone's in the, everyone's having their peanuts and their cracker jacks, right? They're in the sands. They're having their hot dogs and it's a night game and it goes to extra (sighs) innings and the moon comes up and then it's, all werewolves and the baseball players are like fending off werewolves with bats and like trying to protect themselves. I feel like be- <sighs> I'm picturing that a uh, vampires will be better for that setting because the bet then the bats can be like broken and used as stakes. Well, I don't want them to win. I want the oh, I want the werewolves is, to so you're eat pitching all the, the baseball open. players. You're pitching yes. the cold open for your movie. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were pitching the climax of your movie. Got it. No, 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 no. I think it's I think it's no, I like, love that as a cold open. I think it needs to be a little further in. Like, I don't, I think it's like an infection that spreads not to be too, too on the nose for the times we're in, but like, I want the werewolves to take over the town and then they take over, they get this whole baseball team is what I'm thinking. Alternatively, I'm picturing, you know, the game, whatever, except the town's just okay with the fact that there's werewolves. And so the baseball team's playing or whatever. And then the away team 
like the just moon gets decimated. Yeah. The away team realizes that everyone they're on the field with is a werewolf. And the people yeah. in the stands are just like okay with it. They're like just still eating their popcorn. <laughs> they're just watching. They put on their ponchos. It's the Thunderdome suddenly. Yeah. They have their clear umbrellas. They have ponchos because they're like, hey. <laughs> they're at a Gallagher show now? <laughs> they know what happens in a night game. Does one, of, does one of the wolves like put a guy's head on a thing and smash it with a bat like Gallagher? Like a t-ball. Yeah. No, he does throws he just... it up in the air and hits it into the, <laughs> and hits it into the stands. So anyway, back to the movie. We, <laughs> this is honestly this sequence with Busey that follows it might be my favorite moment with him in the whole movie. Yeah, movie. I wrote God Busey's insane. But <laughs> before that, the family drives up to this fairground and they're like, they canceled the fireworks. And I was like, what fireworks? Yeah, for the July, I guess. Because like, but like this, I needed to know that this was a big thing. That like, oh. I love this carnival because I can always get on this t- these two rides. Like, they right. always make, you know, whatever for me in the chair. Like, I needed something yeah. instead of, like, oh, there was supposed to be fireworks in a fairground. Also, very easily fixed if you just occasionally put the date on the screen. Like, just put July yeah. 4th. Like, or let me know what's me happening. a calendar. Like, move past a calendar on a wall. Right. Yeah, Anything. any of that. Any of that is fine. So, yeah. Gary Busey has now created what looks like a costume for a wheelchair that you'd buy at Target in 2020. Yeah. And not a practical everyday, not a practical everyday chair. And what he says to the kid is this thing, it's basically this thing killed your friend, chased your girl out of town. But to make it up with you, I made this extremely dangerous piece of machinery. Oh, yeah. An offhand line about how the girl he clearly had a crush on and was clearly supposed to go somewhere story wise is gone. Yeah. yeah I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> wait, why is she not in the movie anymore? Oh, she's just not in the movie anymore. Oh, she must have called an Uber. Hey, oh, yeah, I see. I see you're in a werewolf movie. You need, you need a little help getting out of town. Little girl werewolf would have been great. I agree. But instead, she just uh, went bon voyage with our favorite friend. Uh-huh. And uh, this wheelchair sounds like a motorcycle. Yes, it does. Also, at this point, the movie's only half over. And I was like, really? What is... What is this movie's pacing? It is. It is really. Uh, th- I. I like this movie more than you. I think, but I think that this is an oddly paced one for sure. Yeah. And then, so he does like he loops. He basically zooms. He does the whole new world sequence from Aladdin. Yes. On his new chair and comes back, including, and including he passes a car. Oh, yeah, he does. I forgot about that. He passes a car. So this goes at least 30 miles an hour. And that's being generous, saying that, like, this road speed limit is only 25, which I would bet that it was more like 40. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he gets back, and (laughs) Gary Busey is just, like, trying to get, you know... He comes back in the in his in his new super powered chair, and Gary Busey's just trying to win negligent Uncle Bingo, and he's yeah. like, "Here's a bag of fireworks, <laughs> bye." No, he yeah uh, yeah he does do the fireworks, but he also says explicitly, "Don't tell your mom." And it's like you just gave a child a motorcycle, mm-hmm. like. Of all the things that a, dr- a drunk uncle could do dangerously, the fireworks is less dangerous than this wheelchair by an order of magnitude. Uh, yeah, but either way, it's not good. No, but I'm just saying the explosives that he gives this child are less dangerous than the wheelchair. Yeah. Um, 
So Gary Busey. Also, I do. I want to give credit to Busey here because we have been making fun of him quite a bit. He does a really nice bit of business when, uh, he, like they they have dinner together, and then he says to Corey Haim's character, he's like, "Hey, walk me to my car." And then Corey Haim like starts up this engine and starts to go, and Busey pretends to get like dragged behind the wheelchair, and it's just a really, it's a really really small moment, but it's yeah, I think he had a really couple of those. But I, I like the emphasis on the relationship between this uncle and this nephew that like he obviously cares really a lot about this kid and like really loves him and and is always willing to be like his sort of lifter upper person, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in a sort of emotional or whatever way. I just really loved that moment. It was like really, really small, but it was just like a really good piece of acting. And I just we've been making fun of Busey a lot. I think he's very easy to make fun of his character is very easy to make fun of. This movie is crazy. Fair. But that is a very good little piece of character work that I just wanted to highlight. Fair. So then the kid climbs out his window and down the trellis to go shoot off fireworks at, at the middle of the night. Yeah. It's buck wild. And also since we're giving compliments or at least I am Feldman or sorry, Haim, I can't, I can't believe like you put that into the world and I, it, it just ruined me. Um, right. He does a really good job at this climbing out with only his arms and then like maneuvering his legs and stuff. And we didn't mention this, but we have talked about in the past, like it's always better to hire a person who is actually whatever the thing is in your movie rather mm-hmm. than someone to pretend to be it. If you can do it, probably would have been better to give this opportunity to an actor in a wheelchair. But uh, I think Haim does a very excellent job. Yeah, he does. Especially considering this is like one of his first movies. Yeah, for sure. He's he. I mean, he was talented. He was he was by far the better actor than Feldman. I yeah. think. I was just saying, like it's it's much like the Quaid brothers were like. Well, I Dennis Quaid's a bad actor. That's a bad analogy. But like, I would much rather see the Feldman stuff because he's a more of a wacky energy. Dennis Quaid's in in the Ron Howard school of like. He, he suffices. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, he takes his wheelchair out to this bridge in the middle of nowhere. Also, like, he drives a wheelchair that has the speed of a motorcycle in the complete darkness. This thing has no lights on it. Yeah, it doesn't have a headlight. That's weird. It, or a tail light. So he's going to be driving 45 miles an hour on a backcountry road. And then other people in actual cars are going to just destroy him. Yeah, or a bully's gonna come along and like reach out the window of their car and grab the wheelchair. That wouldn't happen to him because he could drive faster than the bully's car. <laughs> See, he's shooting off fireworks. No one in this town is like awake or like, why are there fireworks? What's right, happening? Right. But they attract the werewolf, and he ends up launching a bottle rocket into its eye. Yes. He also does right before that. Did you notice the propeller firework and have some flashbacks like I did? Yes, I did. I did. I don't know. I don't know if we've ever told this story on the podcast, but our parents in what I now think of is like a pretty out of character. Uncharacteristic. Yeah. Well, no. So they, they, they bought like, they weren't like the crazy, anything big they bought. Yes, they were. I, I was launching mortar fireworks. Absolutely. Oh, I did. I didn't remember that. Yeah. We had the ones that was like a ball with a long fuse and you drop it in a tube and it would, you know, shoop, <laughs> big fireworks. Like there are bottle rockets as well, which are also dangerous and like M80s and stuff, but very uncharacteristic that we would be doing like drives through South Carolina and, or yeah, it was always right around uh, on the border, south of the yeah. border. And we're like, 
hey, let's get some fireworks. And our parents would just like let me buy fireworks, which is like inexplicable to me now that they would do that. Yeah. But you bought some and you bought this little airplane thing and I was lighting off these fireworks and I, you I know, light it. In my memory, the airplane one said does not fly. I, I, that is also how I remember so it. I, rem- I think you, what my memory of it was, you were supposed to light it and then throw it like a paper airplane. Oh, maybe. But, that well, seems very dangerous. Well, because it doesn't fly. Right. I thought it was supposed to just like g- move a little bit on the ground. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Like, just so. like, like dry. Like, do you remember we used to get little tank sparklers and you'd light it and it would be like, and then the tank would kind of roll that roll a little bit. Vaguely. We would. That was like little kid stuff. It would like you would do it on the driveway. I, anyway, it sounds vaguely familiar. I'm probably 13 in this story. Maybe mm. a little older than that. 15. Oh, yeah. You're a 15 at least. All right, so we're lighting fireworks. I'm shooting off these bottle rockets, and it's like you know, you light it, you run back, and you know, do, doing this stuff. And then we're we, on a beach. We should, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we're, not, we're there's no there's no bottles. We're just you know, jam, you're just jamming them in the sand, and then right. Um, and actually, I think I was launching. Not that it matters, but I think I was launching them out of the PVC pipe I used to use to hold the fishing rods. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, but anyway, you have this little airplane firework. And so, like, I light this thing for you and I run back a little bit. And it's like, oh, it's a little like, dumb airplane. Like, I, I was probably annoyed that I had to light your kitty firework instead of my cool explosives. Yeah. And this airplane launches up, immediately does a 180 U-turn in the air, like, at, like as if you were to... Like yank the yoke back as hard as possible. So now the plane is upside down and is literally heading directly at me, standing in front of my family. And I, it's a baseball bat moment for you. Pictures of this are out. Like you've seen me. I'm not like you can see my face. You can see you see me. You know we've done live shows. I am not a man who this story should be about. Like I should not be the central figure. It's. even honestly like no no it shouldn't be about either of us like this is a feat that i would not believe was true if i heard me telling it i wouldn't believe it but i as i was falling backwards did a like pele soccer kick and kicked it out of the air and knocked it into the sand like i had to do like a oh god i'm gonna die fall down and while i was falling i kicked it out of the air if you gave me a thousand attempts over the course of my life, I never would be able to do this on command. And yet that day I did it at a firework and knocked it out of the air. So yeah. a miracle, truly a miracle. Um, but yes, in this case, nobody Pele kicks the rocket and it just blasts the werewolf right in the eye. So then he zips, he zips back home and then they magically cut past him climbing back up the trellis. Yes. Well, that seems honestly better for everybody. Um, and so he tells his sister what happened, and he's like, you have to go through the town and look for someone with one eye. I thought that was kind of genius. Like, it's very little kid logic, but it's, it's really smart. It's just funny. So she goes around collecting bottles for some charity drive and just, like, and, using his excuse to, like, stare at people in the face. Yeah, like, hey, you got any bottles for the, the church drive? Meanwhile, the kid's calling Busey, and he has a Category 5 hangover. Like, cannot be roused, does not want to talk hates everyone hates everything mm-hmm. um there's this we again weird wistful music choice as his sister's like collecting bottles and stuff i'm like it sounds like she needs to collect bottles to make money for the for the you know the rec center that's going to be demolished and she's not making enough 
It sounds like she's collecting bottles to get a new wheelchair for her brother. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also weird because this kicks the narration back in. And again, it's just like completely handholdy, unnecessary kind of narration. Mm-hmm. But th- like really kind of makes this scene less impactful than it would be without it. Because she basically is like, I spent all over town trying to find somebody with an eye patch. Yeah, like we get it. And then we find we see that the pastor has an eye patch, which frankly, I wouldn't have seen coming. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a totally unexpected one. I also think it's wild that like... The the drive is for the church, and instead of going to the recycling center on your own and giving the money to the church, you give the church a bunch of disgusting, empty... They put them in a shed. It's just full of soda cans, yes. soda bottles, cat food cans. This shed would smell like the fiery pits of hell. <laughs> and there would be so many bugs. Like, just every bug. It's just like, the bugs are going like... Fiesta! <laughs> the cockroaches are just like having a party. The flies are there. Every bug imaginable is in this disgusting place. And so is the baseball bat, the peacemaker. Yes. So Jane is double sure that the pastor is the werewolf. Also, did you notice the part? So this is set, supposed, the movie came out in 85, 35 it's years set ago. set in 76. Yeah. But the barbershop she goes to, it looks like she walks through a time portal into 1955. <laughs> it is weird. It gets like well, sepia-toned practically. Well, it's also weird that she walks up to a gentleman who's like got the, the hot, hot towel, towel over yeah. his face post-shave. And no one in this full barbershop stops her from like taking this towel off a man's face. Yeah, I would be furious if somebody did that to me i was in my how is no one like hey 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 jane knock it off yeah leave that man alone he can hear he has chosen not to acknowledge you um so they figure out it's him they go home and he and his and the the boy and his sister are like well how do we deal with it and he's like i have an idea and his idea is to cut out letters from a magazine to write a threatening note to the pastor to say you should kill yourself i know what you are yes (laughs) it's like throughout this whole movie if you gave me a hundred thousand dollars to guess what the kid's plan was gonna be when he found (laughs) out who the werewolf was i would never guess tell the werewolf to kill himself (laughs) yes I'm just imagining the version of this movie where the werewolf was like, oh, I got a letter. You should kill yourself. I know what you are. Well, he's got a point there. <laughs> let, me, let me get my silver knife out and... <laughs> and that's the end of the movie? Like, I would love it. That would be that's the best. Fun. Um, And now the, the pastor is wearing a black eye patch. Like, but yes. at first he was just wearing like a piece of gauze taped over his eye. And now it's yeah. just like full on this anti- guy's like evil version of himself in a soap opera black eye patch. He's out here looking like Snake Plissken. Or um, uh, number two from yes, Austin Powers. Exactly. Especially later, he's wearing his full like priest outfit plus an eye patch. Yes. It's like, oh boy. He's like the badass end of the world preacher, like in the apocalyptic version of whatever. And uh-huh. it's, it, I used to be a preacher. Now I preach in lead. You know, that kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. He's, he's a trailer in The Last Action Hero. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Yes. Uh, Busey doesn't believe him. And then the the priest decides to 
tail the kid in a car while he's in his wheelchair. Yeah, and then this is preceded by uh, the kid is at the fence watching baseball practice and just kind of being forlorn about it. And all I could think is like, Kenny Yamaguchi is just out here cranking home runs and running the bases. Kid, get yourself in there. I know that this is like formal baseball and not backyard baseball, but come on. Well, there's also no like mention that he used to play baseball or that or anything about it. Yeah. And I I got the impression from this movie that he was, you know, always in the chair, but we have no idea because they never tell you. Yeah. Normally a movie, it will like give some indication that like born like this or there was an accident or or like some character asks about it and it's the like hey don't ask that that's rude and the kid's like no it's fine and tells the story Mm -hmm. Uh, the priest sideswipes the kid on a on a bridge and then the kid traps himself in a condemned covered bridge straight out of beetlejuice yeah it's insane as a choice and this is where the the producer the priest is like well, yes, I killed that woman, but she was about to kill herself, and that is a sin in my religion. And because suicide is a sin in my religion, that's why I can't kill myself. And I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Hang on. <laughs> that's Wait, you've done a circular logic that I do not stand for. There is a lot happening in this movie, and I don't think you can hand wave that away. There's also a really awesome shot where as Everett McGill is walking into the covered bridge, there's a very low beam and he has to kind of like step under it. And he just, his movement is so great in a villain way. He just has this great- It's very smooth. Yeah, yeah. Slide under this beam thing. Uh, But this culminates in the kid seeing a neighbor like driving by and he starts screaming for help, of course. Mm -hmm. And so the, the priest runs away. Um, and so he's talking to Busey now and Busey's sort of looking over the silver bullet and he's like, yeah, he hit me with his car. And Busey's like, I don't think the the priest hit you with his the car. The silver bullet, the, the wheelchair. Yes, yes, yes. That is confusing. And the, uh, the Busey sees car paint on the wheelchair and he's like, what color is the priest's car? And is it blue or black? Blue. Blue. And, and, uh. Of course, the paint on the wheelchair is blue. And so he's like, oh, maybe this man did try to kill my nephew. Right. Uh, so Terry O'Quinn starts investigating this and he sees the damage on the priest's car. And of course, uh, he's like, well, you're under arrest. And it's like, well, I don't think that's how this is going to go. It's a half decent werewolf transformation. But I, nothing, I thought it was good. N- well, nothing will ever beat American Werewolf in London. Right. So like, it's good, but like my bar like that is such a high bar for werewolf transformations agreed but if that's 100 this is like a solid 85 80 i would say okay 80. all right the, still the good coloring, the coloring's a little weird but S- still good um trick-or-treat i think is my second favorite werewolf transformation Th- those ones are really rad it's just such a, a different take on it um so the kids give Busey their silver necklaces that they've had this whole time and haven't talked about um and Busey goes to the gun owner gun store owner and is like hey my nephew just discovered the lone ranger can you turn this into a silver bullet and so the guy's like sure and he does and i was like and then he puts gunpowder in it and i was like if you like he said you're making this for a child right right just make a silver bullet shape yeah and be yeah, like, you wouldn't you, go, you wouldn't make a real bullet. Yeah. You wouldn't put any course. powder in it. It would just right. be a silver bullet shaped thing. Right. Um and also the gunsmith immediately is like, 
well, this would be pretty good for killing a werewolf, don't you think? And it's like, does he know? Is he a secret werewolf hunter? That's a cooler well, movie. A silver bullet, I will... If someone... If I'm a, a an armor, an ammo maker or whatever, and a guy's like, make me a silver bullet, that's my first thought. I mean, of course, but I just like the idea that he's like a secret werewolf hunter, I think is rad as hell. I would be into secret werewolf hunter. I also think it's quite delightful that so Busey comes like the kid gives they each give a piece of jewelry that is silver to Busey to get made into the bullet. And he goes to the gun shop for the guy to make the bullet. And I've not made a bullet, but it is presumably like a like under normal circumstances, a fairly simple process. You put lead mm-hmm. into a press and then you have a bullet press and put the powder in and do all that stuff. It probably takes a skilled person like, I don't know, three or four minutes to make a bullet. Maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. But I, I'm guessing like the, the production's not that long. But Busey seems to like, come in, ask for this, and get the bullet within 15 minutes. But the way that they shoot this sequence looks like it takes hours. <laughs> it's yeah. like slow Silver, motion. Silver's melting point is not that high. Right. It's like slow motion silver melting and dripping into the crucible and then getting formed into the bullet shape and then like knocked out and then the thing, the bullet press with the powder and the thing on top and like crunched down and it's like, wow, this is like a really extravagantly filmed sequence. Are we just killing time? Yeah. Yeah. They can't get dialogue or character development, so they gotta do something. <laughs> and so they come, they're like, it was Halloween night, and my parents, also the weird, they're like, the next full moon was Halloween night, except they've already established that the werewolf attacks whenever the hell he wants. Right. So the parents are leaving to go on some trip that they won, which turns out there is no trip, so they're just gonna be pissed off. No, there is a trip. Gary Busey just paid for it. Oh, is that what happened? Yes, yes. Gary Busey buys tickets to stuff and is like, they gave me a trip for two. I couldn't use it, so I thought you guys should. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Um. Well, as they're leaving, Mom is like, don't let any trick-or-treaters in the house. And I was like, that's... What? <laughs> that's... <laughs> that. Don't forget to breathe. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, no, that seems like a thing I wouldn't have thought to do. Do your bowel movements in the toilet. Yeah, exactly. Like, what? Of course, yes. These are standard things you're saying. And then it's like late at night and they all fell asleep in the living room and Gary Busey stands up and starts gesturing wildly with a loaded gun at children. Yes. And uh, this part is really dumb to me. And like learning that Busey had done all the ad lib made this make a lot of sense because this feels ad libby. It does. Where you're just you're just trying things because... At this point, Busey believes in the werewolf. Uh-huh. And his character now suddenly is like, I can't believe I let you kids talk me into this. And it's I'm like, going to bed. We're all going right, to bed. Right. And it's like, what? you went and had someone manufacture a silver bullet. You, you believe. You a lot of trouble here. Right, right. It's very silly. So as he sends them to bed, the power gets cut and the wolf comes. And Busey's immediate instinct also, is- I'm looking at- uh, there are five minutes left in this movie. Yeah, yeah. It, this happens very quickly. It's so weird. Uh, I, I could have gone with like five more minutes of the wolf, like, you know, cat and mousing them in the house. But mm-hmm. Busey does the classic, like, go and look at the window. And then, of course, the wolf is there. And- he also, for some reason, took the bullet out of the gun. Yes. Well, that's that's when he says, I'm feeling a familiar I'm feeling a familiar feeling. And that's I'm a horse's ass. And then he unloads the gun. And it's like, you probably are correct that you feel that way a lot. But in this instance, you have already bought into the children. Yeah, you're already here. 
you already you already buckled your seatbelt. Might as well take the ride. Right, right. So there's a cool move where the werewolf, instead of coming in through the window, does a Kool Aid Man through the wall, <laughs> which I kind of like the energy of. And he uh, throws Gary Busey around the room. The kids. Busey get the did gun. all his own stunts here, by the way. I saw that, and he gets the tar kicked out of him. I mean, he He's gets thrown around beat the room. up. Yeah. Yeah, Corey Haim is, like, desperately trying to get this bullet. It rolls down a grate, and they're, like, trying to reach down the grate to get it. Meanwhile, Busey is just getting Chris Farley-esque throws into every piece of breakaway furniture that they've built. And this is is where you can really see the wolf in its full form. And it just, I don't think, it's just boring. It looks kind of like a bear. I'm with you on that. It could look cooler. And and then the kid, so Haim gets the gun and the bullet, and he shoots. And much like the Lone Ranger, he manages to hit the wolf directly in the other eye. It's just, it's pretty close. I mean, he's you a gotta, close range. You got to aim right in the middle of the largest part of this thing, kid. You do not need to I hit would, it in the yeah. eye to kill it. Like, That's don't fair. miss. <laughs> there is one bullet. And then we watch them, uh, we watch the werewolf transform back into a man. I thought that was pretty good. It's decent. And then he does a little jump scare, and they end with a stupid joke. I, I actually, I agree that it's poorly placed in the movie, but I thought that Haim's delivery, and it felt like this character that he'd been playing the whole time to be like, I can't walk. I would have, I would have been fine with that in an earlier point, like, but that yeah. shouldn't be the last line of your movie. And then it just, it, that's it. It's like, wham, no aftermath, no uh, what, like, nothing. hey, I would love love the scene where mom and dad come home and there is a human shaped hole in the wall <laughs> and the well, priest is he's dead. Gonna handy, he's going to tinker that wall closed. Maybe, but I think they'd be able to tell. Uh, yeah. So it just, just dead ends right there. And that's the end of your wolf mm-hmm. movie. Um, do you have any final thoughts? No, I, it's fine. It's I'm not, I'm not angry that it exists, but I don't, I don't think you need to seek it out. I wonder if the television cut, is part of the reason you didn't like it as much because a lot of the I'm assuming a lot of the stuff that's getting cut although it sounded like talking about it there's really only that one difference we noticed yeah. I'm always curious about that I I um I had well, never also seen if I went into it expecting Stephen Kids King's Goonies yeah yeah because I was expecting something on the level of any other Stephen King book right right um I think there's a lot to like here but uh, what I was going to say is I think the TV edit thing is could be could be a a big factor because even if it is just a few minutes, it might be like the cooler, gory stuff that you would enjoy. Possibly, which yeah. would take it over the top. I recently was, I had never seen Candyman, and it was on Netflix or something like very recently, and then I went to watch it in October, and of course it wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was streaming on the Sci-Fi app, which you can watch with commercials without cable. And I went to click on it, and I was like, 77 minutes, that can't be right. And there is like 20 minutes carved out of Candyman, and i was like okay well i'm not watching yeah. it here that's not, not gonna be idea. yeah um this not nearly as gory as a candy man or what have you but i uh, i do wonder if watching the tv edit was i wonder how long that block was this, i wonder how long on television i think this is candy very fun i wonder how long on television candy man would run that if it was only 77 minutes um because there's probably, no way that's not a, probably two hours you it's think 45 minutes 40, of commercials yeah i mean there's 18 minutes of commercials in a two hour in an hour of television. Mm, maybe. So four, four, there's it's about 40 to 42 minutes of content per hour of television. So Candyman hmm. would be just under that. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be a little short of two hours, but not significantly. That seems crazy. 
Yeah, it's I, I I don't watch TV. I I I'm a cord cutter person, and I do everything streaming. And I recently was like just trying to find something to put on to fall asleep to, and I saw that there was this pumpkin carving show that the Food Network did, and I was like, oh, that's yeah. fun. And I, the I put it on, Wars. and it was no, no, no. This is called like Outrageous Pumpkins. It's just about pumpkin carving. Oh, because Halloween Wars had um a. A pastry chef, a cake decorator, and a pumpkin carving. They're, like Each team had one of those. Well, watching this 42-minute program as an hour-long thing with all the ads in it made me want to scream. Like, I just can't. I can't do it anymore. I've, it's broken me not having ads. So I was just like, I cannot I cannot imagine watching this every single day all the time. I, mean, I don't pay for ad-free Hulu, so. Absolute maniac. Um. I would recommend this to get back on topic. I think this is a really fun one. I think it's got a great unhinged beauty energy. I like the uh, Everett McGill performance. I think um, there's a lot to like here. I think personally, uh, this is a fun one for me. So I would say it's worth seeking this out if you've never seen it. It's got a good kind of zaniness that I think is is fun. And uh, I agree that the werewolf could be cooler, but I do like the idea of this. I just think it's not executed super, super well. Um, exciting announcement for some listeners, torturous announcement for others, perhaps. Uh, but the spooktacular will be kind of continuing next month because, well, we've got two episodes and then our annual tea Thanksgiving, which means we can theme November, which we normally cannot because it's just the one episode. So this year, November is no vampire and we're doing some vampire movies for the month of November. Starting with one, I am thrilled to talk about another 35th anniversary, keeping that streak alive. <laughs> Fright Night with Roddy McDowell. Uh, really fun. Uh, and Chris Sarandon. Don't want to leave him out either. Uh, fun vampire movie that's available on Prime uh, and a few other places. And while we're talking werewolves, I will say a quick recommendation here. Uh, really fun werewolf movie, short, sweet, to the point that I really enjoyed. I may have talked about last year. It's like right at 90 minutes. It's kind of a horror comedy thing. It's called Howl. It came out in 2015. It's available on Prime, but also I think like Tubi and Vudu and Crackle and a bunch of free places. So uh, you can get it if you don't have Prime. Highly recommend uh, checking that one out. It's about werewolves attacking a train that gets stopped. Uh, so similar to that Wolverton station I was mentioning, but uh, highly recommend that one. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We do have a review to read, and this one's mean, so if it makes you upset uh, the way it kind of you know ruined my day a little bit, I think uh, maybe you should go review the show and say something nice if you feel that this is a show worthy of nice things. But this is a one-star review from Solok from Apple Podcasts Australia. Our friends down under are normally very nice to us. Solok uh, says, One star, so woke. What happens when you take classic 80s movies and view them through a modern-day, quote, woke filter? You get this snooze fest. If you're the type of person that uses the word problematic unironically, you might enjoy this tripe. Everyone else should avoid. So. Hey, hey, guess what? I'll bend over and you can kiss my ass. Agreed. They can absolutely kiss my ass. <laughs> must be nice to not have to worry about anything in the world like your rights yeah <laughs> must be real cool yeah what a cool what a cool cool thing anyway it's not nice to see mean things written about you so if it makes you sad that the podcast you like had mean things written about it please and not even like a valid criticism 
Like well, that one guy who was like, they use um, they won't stop saying um and like. And I was like, it was like specifically. I was like, yeah, no, that's that's fair. I do I do that a lot. Yeah, I mean, he wrote it in the meanest way possible, but at least it was a valid criticism. And whatever, I mean, you can have an invalid criticism. I don't like things for irrational reasons too, but uh, that guy sucks. Um, sorry, not sorry. Uh, I'm not sorry. Sucks. You can suck a dick. <laughs> well. I don't think that needs to be a derogatory thing. I'm allowed to say it derogatorily. Uh, anyway, uh, that guy sucks, and you don't, so you should go write a review of the show wherever you get it, and we will read those on the air. Uh, help us, you know, that guy just wrecked our five-star reputation, so help us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, help us if you haven't. Get out there and write a review, and then we'll read yours on the air, and you'll make me feel better about myself instead of just sad on a Sunday evening when I get my review roundup. Um <laughs> Check us out at dissectthe80s.com. We're also on Facebook and at dissectthe80s on Twitter. Uh, anything you'd want to learn about the show is on those places. And then if you like us a lot, which I think if you're still listening to this two-hour podcast about uh, werewolf movie from I 1985. I did not expect this to be this long. Um, yeah, well, the quarantine episodes have just been getting longer and longer. Um if you liked this, go to patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s and get a whole mess of bonus episodes and some other cool stuff. And check out our newest $375 tier. That's the buciest. And uh, you you are you are then uh, personally responsible. Wait, hang on. Wait, it's going to be the squeeze is worth the buce. <laughs> the buce is worth the squeeze, I think. What is, you say the squeeze, like sometimes the squeeze ain't worth the juice is the phrase. Is the phrase. No, isn't it's it? the, no, it's the opposite of that. It's the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Oh, well, I've heard it. <laughs> I don't think so. I have. Um, anyway, uh, so we'll be back in two weeks to start No Vampire with Fright Night. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again in advance for the nice review you're about to leave. Uh, go do that on iTunes. If you do it elsewhere, uh, send us a screenshot and we'll read it. I get the iTunes ones emailed to me. And so it's like I get a nice thing when you say nice things. And otherwise I get a mean thing emailed to me. So it's, it's you know, don't 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 say, you know, don't say we didn't tell you the truth. It's we read the mean review. We read uh-huh. them all. Thank you again for listening. I have been Trip Leno. I will always be Andrew Leno. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.